Well, good morning. Well, good morning to the rest of you. That's good. I'm really, I'm really glad to be here and to be with you and to be at Northwest Baptist Church. I, uh, uh, in fact, go ahead if you'd like, open your Bibles to Luke 22. Uh, and uh, we're going to start reading in verse 14 here in just a moment. Luke 22, verse 14. But I, I just need to uh, d- just kind of share with you. Uh, Northwest Baptist Church has a very special place in my heart. And uh, uh, Rob was showing me around this morning. And uh, I love what you've done with the facility. Absolutely love what you've done. You've done some amazing things. And... And, and I, I just love it, and, and, and I, I do love your pastor. I'm so thankful for Rob and Jordan and the opportunity we had to be together. And, and, and I, I tell you, folks, you are uh, you're blessed. You really are. Uh, Rob shared with you, we retired a few years ago, and, and uh, the first three years of retirement, uh, I traveled doing Bible conferences all over the country, and uh, we were traveling about 35,000 miles a year doing conferences around different places, and and uh, I met a lot of pastors and was in a lot of churches. And, and, and I'll just say it this way. Not everybody is blessed like you. Not everybody's blessed like you. And boy, you ought to just get on your knees every day and say, Father, thank you for a pastor who loves you and loves your word and loves people and wants to serve the Lord. And, 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 and you say, well, well, Ted, he's not perfect well, neither are you, okay? So what's that got to do with anything, right? What's that got anything to do with it? And, but, but boy, he, they, they love the Lord and serve the Lord, and, and you are so blessed. And, and I know you know that, uh, but boy, you ought to thank the Lord daily for that. You really should. But Rob was showing me around, and he took me in uh, to what used to be your chapel area that's going to become a prayer room area, which I think is awesome. I think it's absolutely awesome. But, but when I walked in there, in fact, I remember this the other day, but when I walked in there, I actually saw the spot. Uh, when I was about 26 or 27, something like that, years old, I'll be 70 next month, so that number of years back, okay? In my mid-20s. And, and uh, J.T. Elliff was director of missions of Capital Association, I was pastor of the Southwood Baptist Church on Southwest 59th and Western. That church building is not even there today. Um, But those were marvelous years and wonderful years, and the Lord was so gracious to us, did some mighty things. But but, uh, Brother Eliff uh, invited Ron Dunn and Jack Taylor to come and lead our association in a Bible conference. And so I was here as a young pastor, and, and, and I cannot tell you, Ron Dunn spoke, and after that, actually, Ron and I became very good friends, and we did Bible conferences together for 25 years, and just a wonderful, dear friend of mine before we went to be with the Lord. And, uh, but uh, I don't remember what Jack spoke about. I don't remember what Ron spoke about. I just know that the Lord got hold of my heart. And, and, and during that service, I didn't wait for any kind of an altar call or invitation time. I was, I was seated back over in this area. And, and I got up, and I walked out, and I walked into that chapel. The service was still going on here. And I was under such conviction. God had gotten hold of my heart in a way that... that and I think all of us have had those times... When our, when our Christian life kind of turned the corner, 
You know, God took us to a deeper level and a new level and, and something that touched us, that, that absolutely changed us, and we never got over it. Well, that's what happened to me that night. I walked into that chapel. I pushed the door open. The lights were out. And I could see just enough light that there was the stage that's still in there. And, and I, I walked over in the, in the corner of that stage and lay on my face just flat straight out before the Lord. And all I know was I just spent the next quite a while on my face just saying, Oh, dear God, I've got so much in my life that's wrong. So much in my life as a pastor, you need to change. God, would you just change me and use me and somehow take me from this place and use me in a way I'd never been used before? And I stayed so long in that place that when I got through, everybody was gone. All the lights were out. Nobody knew I was in there. And I, I walked out this back door where my car was the only car in the parking lot. And when I walked out, the burglar alarm went off. And I knew better than to stay around. So if, if the police of this era wondering back that many years ago who set off the alarm, it was me, okay? But I'm telling you, I, I, I owe a lot to Northwest Baptist Church because it was in this place that God did some things that were brand new and absolutely changed my life. And I can go back to that night and to this very day, some spiritual disciplines, some, some confessions, all those kind of things are still fresh in my life today because of what God did in that place that many years ago. And, and so I thank you, bless you for that. Well, I, I want us to... Um, to, to look at this passage of Scripture, and, and here's what I want us to talk about this morning. The, the message, beloved, really is to the church. It really is to the church. Now, you, you may be here and have never given your life to Jesus Christ. And I do know that God can use what we're going to talk about today to reach into your heart and to touch your heart and to change your life. And it could be that today you would say, I today want to give myself to Christ, and we want to help you with that and want to encourage you with that. But, but I just want to tell you from the very beginning, the message is for us. The message is for those of us who are believers. So from the very moment that we start to read through this passage of Scripture, you need to keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, keep your spiritual heart open, and, and as if to say, God, what do you want to say to me today about my life and about being a part of your church? God, I, I know you, I love you, I want to walk with you, and so God, what do you want to say to me today? So don't, don't miss what God wants to say. All right? And so I'd like to do this, if I may. Would you stand in honor of the Word of the Lord and in honor of the Lord of the Word? And I'd like to read to you beginning in verse 14. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 14. Now, now here's the background. Jesus is getting ready to have the last Passover before crucifixion and his resurrection and then eventually his ascension back to the Father. He's gone through his ministry. He's ready for the crucifixion. 
In, in, in just a, a little while after this passage of Scripture, he and his disciples are going to walk over the Kidron Valley. They're going to walk into the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to pray there. And, and there's going to be that point that Judas is going to come in and betray him. The mock trials are going to begin. And Jesus is going to be heading toward the cross. So, so keep that in mind. As you, as you begin to look through this passage of Scripture. So look with me. I want to read carefully. I want to read slowly. I want to read closely. And, and what I want us to talk about today is missing the intimacy of Jesus. All right, look with me, beginning in Luke 22, beginning in verse 14. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks... He said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who was going to do this thing. And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, We have just read an amazing picture. I, I mean, if you let those words begin to sink into your heart, you, you see Jesus longing to have an intimate time with these disciples. And in fact, look with me at at the very beginning words uh, that that, uh, Jesus speaks in verse 15. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. Now, beloved, let me draw your attention to, to a couple of words in verse 15. The, and, and I'm teaching out of the New American Standard Bible. I hope that's okay with you. Um, the, the word earnestly desired, that, that, that word desired means 
to set your heart on. To set your heart on. It's also a word that can mean to covet or to lust. Uh, and, and, it, and it's not in, a, in an evil way of lusting, but it's the idea that I, I really want this to happen. I, I've planned this. I've looked toward this. I, this is something unusual. Now, now, I want to show you something also in the language. Um, in the Greek language, you may well know uh, that there are words in the Greek language that are emphatic words. And we don't see them so much so easily in our language, in the English language. But in the Greek language, there are particular words that are emphatic words. And, and uh, you can find those words by the ending of the words, the Greek ending, and also by their position in the sentence. But an emphatic word is exactly what it means. It has emphasis to it. And, and so when you know the emphatic words, you really ought to read the Scripture emphasizing that. So, so let, me, let me show you something that's very interesting. Um, in verse 15, when it says to eat this Passover, um, the, the word this and Passover are emphatic words. Okay, now, now keep in mind, Jesus has been doing ministry now for three years. He's had other Passovers with these disciples. But, but now, something is happening, and, and he says to them, I have earnestly desired, I, I have longed for this, I, I have set my heart, now look at this, I have set my heart to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Oh, we've, we've had other Passovers, but not like this one. We, we, we've had other experiences, but not like this one. I, I have set my heart on this Passover. Now there is no doubt Jesus longs to have an intimate time with his disciples. And, and you go through this, and we're going to go through the scripture together here in a moment, but you go through this and, and you get down now to the end of that little passage of Scripture that we read. And, and, and you know what's happened. The Passover's taken place. Jesus has been speaking. He's passed the bread. He's passed the cup. He's acknowledged one of them there is going to be trained. Now, now look at verse 23. And they, now, now the word they is emphatic, and, and so Luke is drawing attention to that. Jesus has said to them, I, I have longed for this Passover. And then he goes through that Passover meal with them. And, and, and it's almost, it's almost like, like Luke is, is disdaining these guys. And they. And, and, and they. Now, now look at what he says. And, and they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be. That word discuss means to investigate, to question. They, 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 they begin to say, is it, I bet it's him. What, what about him? I bet it's him. I bet he's the one who's going to be trained. When Matthew gives us this story, Matthew kind of shows us the arrogance that's going on there because Matthew says that after this, they begin to say to one another, surely not I. Him. Not, not, not me. Him. So I really don't think I'm reading anything into Scripture when I say they were missing Intimacy. They, they, they had an opportunity there. 
And they, 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 they were going to need intimacy with the Lord like they'd never needed it before in just a few hours. And beloved, might I say this? You and I never really know when we're going to need the intimacy of the Lord. I mean, we are, we are moving in our world today, all across our world, not just our nation, but in our world, we are moving further and further and further away from the Lord, which tells me that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to need intimacy with him more than I've ever needed it before. As we see what's happening in our world, as we see sin running rampant across our world, as we see everything that Jesus told us was going to happen before he returned, the lawlessness, the mindlessness, all the things that we're seeing happen. Folks, if there was ever a time that his people ought to say, I need intimacy with the Lord, it is today. It's right now. So is there something we can look at in this passage of Scripture that would help us not miss intimacy with the Lord? Is, is there something that we could see in this passage of Scripture that, that, that we could practice, that we could do, that when we leave this room in a few minutes that we could say, okay, I can do that. That can be a part of my life. I think there is. So, so what I want to do is just to walk through this passage of Scripture in an expositional way, and, and I want to I give you three thoughts, three truths on, on how to keep from missing intimacy with the Lord. Here's the, here's the first truth. Stay kingdom focused. Just, just stay kingdom focused. Now, I, I want you to notice what happens. Look with me, beginning in verse 14. And, and the scripture says... When the hour had come, he reclined at the table. Now, you know what that looked like. The tables they used that day were low. And so when they reclined at the table, it's not like we think reclining back. They kind of reclined forward. And, and usually would lean on, on usually their left elbow because they usually ate with their right hand. And so they would lean in and kind of recline. Sometimes they actually would lean back and let their feet slide under the table. But most of the time their feet would be behind them because we see times when they were washing one another's feet and that kind of thing. So, so, so Jesus is reclining at this table and, and they're all probably fairly close to one another. And, and the scripture says that he had reclined the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them... I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, now look at this. For I say to you, I will never again. And those are emphatic words. So when Jesus spoke that, he said, I, I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I am not going to eat this Passover again. This is it. I will not eat this again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he, and then he goes on in, in uh, uh, verse 17. And when, he had given, uh, and when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not, emphatic, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine 
from now on until the kingdom comes. I, I, I think Jesus was focused on the kingdom right there, don't you? I'm not going to do this again until the kingdom comes. I'm not going to eat this meal until the kingdom comes. I'm, I'm not going to drink this wine until the kingdom comes. I'm not doing this again until the kingdom comes. Well, I've got to ask myself, what is the kingdom? When, when's he going to do this again? I, I think the kingdom, the kingdom of God, and oh, I know he reigns today, and I know spiritually I'm a part of his kingdom but I don't know what he's talking about. I think he's talking about his literal kingdom. And, and his literal kingdom comes. He returns. And he establishes his kingdom upon this earth. We go through a thousand year reign. There, there's at the end, and I'm not going to get into second coming things right now. But we go through a thousand year reign. Finally there's a final war. And there's a new heaven and a new earth and Jesus is king and righteousness reigns everywhere he's focusing on that he says I, I'm not doing this again until that happens I'm not drinking this until that happens I, I have got my heart set on I'm getting ready to suffer I'm going to be dead for three days. I will resurrect. I will be here for some days. I will ascend back to my Father. This world's going to go on, and eventually I will come, and my kingdom will reign. I tell you, beloved, if you want to be real intimate with Jesus, just focus on his kingdom. I mean, just think about what we've got coming. We've got no more night, all day. No more sin, all righteousness. No more doubt, all faith. No more tears, all glory. And he reigns. I tell you, you cannot help but get real intimate with the Lord when you focus on his kingdom. Just focus on his kingdom. Now here's a, here's a second truth that, that I want us to see. If we want to keep from missing the intimacy of Jesus... Not only do you want to focus on his kingdom, but you also want to stay Jesus-focused. Just real Jesus-focused. Now, I, I want you to notice something. I think this is so interesting. Um, in, in, in verse 17, the scripture speaks of a cup. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks... He said, take this, share it among yourselves. Now, uh, as I've studied Passover, there were four times, there are four times, that they use a cup. Four different cups. And, and, and all of those cups point to Jesus. Every one of them point to Jesus. Now, we're able to see that maybe in a way that they didn't, but they, they knew what the cups meant in relationship to their Jewish history. Now, the, the, the cups, the first cup, which was probably this one, the, the first cup 
was, was a cup of thanksgiving. And it had to do with demonstrating uh, separation. It had to do with sanctification. Uh, and, and when Jesus said, take this cup, they knew that that was a, a, a demonstration that, that God took his people out of Egypt and separated them and made them holy and made them special and, and, and sanctified them, set them apart. There, there was a, a second cup. Uh, and that, that second cup uh, was a cup of blessing. And, and it had to do with being free. In fact, along with that second cup is when they ate the bitter herbs to remind them of their bondage. But then they would they'd drink that cup, and that was a reminder of being set free. The third cup was a cup of redemption. That's when they ate the lamb and the bread. And there was that wonderful cup of being redeemed. And, and the fourth cup was an acceptance of being God's people. And that's when they sang Psalms 115 through 118. You can look at that later and you'll see all that. But that, but that last cup was when they gave thanks for being God's people. Do, do you see how Jesus is pointing everything to himself? And, and he says to them, take this cup. Take this bread. Break, fracture this bread. Drink this cup. And at least twice that we have it in the scripture anyway, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Do it in remembrance of me. What, what's that mean? What's it, what's it mean to do something in remembrance of Jesus? What, what's, it, what's it mean to, to remember somebody? You know, I have a, uh, a particular instance in my life that happens about every week, about every Saturday. And... Uh, my dad uh, was a wonderful pastor and uh, part of our denominational leadership. In fact, my father was interim pastor at Northwest Baptist Church just before Newman McClary came. So that's how far back we go with Northwest Baptist Church. Um, and, and, and my dad was a great teacher. He was always teaching me. He'd read something in the newspaper and where, some, where some teenagers had really messed something up. Maybe they were going to jail. Maybe they'd been arrested for something. And he'd, he'd bring me into the table. He'd say, son, read this article. And I'd, I'd read that article. He'd say, what'd you learn from that? What, what'd you learn? And he was always teaching, always showing me. And, always, and, and, and so as I grew, I, every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, I called him. Now, Todd, remember, Todd was on my staff at one time at Village Baptist Church. What a great guy. And his wife's better than he is, but what a great guy. Uh, and, and, uh, but, but every Saturday morning, for as long as I could remember in my ministry, from 10 o'clock in the morning until noon, I did visitation. Because you find people home. Great time to go see people. And when it was cold, they'd feel sorry for you. Come on in. You know. So it was, I mean, it was, it was a great, great time. And every Saturday morning, this is before cell phones for a while, every Saturday morning 
Before I left my office, I'd call my dad. 10 o'clock. He'd answer the phone. Hi, son. Are you out among them? Yes, sir, I am. Then his cell phones came in. Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, I'd call my dad. To this day, 10 o'clock, Saturday morning, I think, I'll call dad. Now, now, now listen. I remember him, not because he's Bill Kirsch. I remember what he taught me. I remember what he expected of me. I remember how he loved me. I, I can remember traveling with him as a little boy and, and him patting me on the knee and him saying, I'm so proud of you. That, that's what I remember. Folks, do we understand when Jesus breaks the bread and he drinks the cup and he says, do this in remembrance of me, he is saying, do this remembering everything I taught you. Do this remembering who I am. Do this remembering I am the lamb. Do this remembering I am the one broken for your sins. Do this remembering I shed my blood for you. Do this remembering that sermon on the mount that I taught you about holiness and about living and about getting through life. Remember everything I taught you. Remember everything you saw me do. Do this in remembering me. You see, you see what's happening? I mean, boy, if you want to stay intimate with the Lord, you just spend a lot of time remembering Him. Remembering who He is. Remembering what He's done. Remembering how He made your life new. Remembering how He has separated your sin as far as the East is from the West. Wow. Just remember who He is. Now, there's, there's, there's one final truth that I want us to see in this passage of Scripture. Not only do we want to stay kingdom-focused and stay Jesus-focused, but now, now listen carefully. This is a little different. Let me explain it to you. Stay internally focused. Internally focused. Now, I don't mean that pridefully. I don't mean that in, in not reaching out to people, obviously. I'm talking now about being intimate with Jesus. Just really being intimate with Jesus. Um, I, I want you to see something that I, I just think is so interesting. And, and you, you drop down here to verse 23. Jesus has, has shared the cup with them. He's talked about betrayal. In fact, let's go back up to verse 21. And, and Jesus is speaking, and he says, But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. You see that? All these guys are sitting around close, and they've all got their hands on the table. They're, they're all using their hands to get food. I, I can... I can kind of see Jesus looking around, can't you? And he, and he says, uh, the one that's going to betray me, his, his hand's with mine. <laughs> I wonder if they all went. His, his, his hand's with mine. Now, look at what happens. 
For indeed, verse 22, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to investigate one another as to which one it might be. You see how external they were at that point? I bet, I bet it's him. What about, what about you, Peter? You've always been arrogant. What about you? See him? And, and, and then it even gets worse because you get down to verse 24. And there arose also a dispute. That word dispute there means strife or quarrel. And there arose also a quarrel among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. Isn't that amazing? I don't get that. What if this had happened? What, what if? Now, this, this apparently didn't happen, but what, what if this had happened? Jesus has his hand, and they all got their hands out there, and he, he says, the, the, the one that's going to betray me has his hand with mine on the table. What if they all begin to say, me? Not, not me. Oh, Lord, I love you. Lord, not me. Lord, don't let it be me. Lord, I've walked with you these years. You called me, you saved me, you changed me. Oh God, don't, don't let it be me. Don't let it be me. Now that's not what happened. But I just wonder if that wouldn't have made them a little more intimate with Jesus. Rather than saying, oh, it's that guy. I see what's wrong in his life. And besides, I'm greater than him. I'm closer to the Lord than him. We don't do it quite like that. There's a lot of other things we do that's similar. Oh, I've been in the church longer than them. My word's more important. I've, I've, I've been a church officer for all these years. Listen to me. That's kind of how we do it today. But what if we begin to say to ourselves, God, don't let me betray you. God, change me. God, don't, don't. I, I, God, I'm thankful for the others, but oh God, do something in me. Not long ago, I was communicating with a friend of mine who's gone through the COVID stuff, dear pastor friend of mine, Dr. Hayes Wicker down in Florida. Hayes was really sick for weeks, and the Lord brought him through. And So we were communicating online. And I thought about one time when Hayes was working on a book, and I don't remember if it ever came out or not, to be quite honest, but I do remember the title of the book was When My Life Turned the Corner. And he had done interviews 
with all kinds of people in the Lord's work. And, and, and in those interviews, he was asking them, tell me a story, not when you were saved, but tell me a story about when your life took a new turn toward the Lord. Tell me a story about when your walk became fresh and new and very intimate with the Lord. And I don't remember all the people he interviewed, but people that you and I would know their names back in the day. And, and, and it was so interesting as he told me about some of those experiences, how, how people came to a place where, where their life just turned a corner and, and they were never the same. If Hayes were interviewing me this morning and he was right here and he said, Ted, Tell me when your life turned the corner. Tell me, Ted, not your salvation experience, but tell me when God was so real and so close that you had an experience with him that you never got over and you walked away from that experience with a new intimacy with the Lord. If he was sitting right there, I'd say, Hayes, come with me and I'll show you. And I'd walk with him across that hallway and I'd go up on that platform, and I'd get on my face, and I'd say, right here. My life became more intimate with the Lord that night than ever before. And there's been something about that that has never left me. Oh, have I had my tough times? Sure. Have I had my times I wished I walked with him closer? Absolutely. But I'm telling you, there was an intimacy that night that I have never gotten over. And part of that, I remember saying, Oh God, do something in me. Change me. Don't let me betray you. Wouldn't it be wonderful today if every believer in this place would be able to walk out of here in just a few minutes and say, on March the 14th, 2021, God changed me. Oh, I, I was saved. But I was, I was about to miss intimacy with him. I, I wasn't walking close as I needed to walk with him. I, I didn't have the ministry that I should have had. I didn't have the love of the Lord that I should have had. I, I was kind of arrogant, and I, I really kind of walked into church Sunday after Sunday and went through the deal and walked out unchanged. But on that day, March the 14th, God changed me. And I began to focus on his coming kingdom. Not the here and now. I began to focus in a new way on Jesus. My Redeemer. My Savior. The one who set me free. And I began to remember him in ways I'd not remembered him before. And I've never forgotten all he taught me. And that day... I turned the gospel inward as if to say, Dear God, 
Don't let me be one who betrays you. Wouldn't that be wonderful if today was the day that we became more intimate with the Lord than ever before and it absolutely changed our lives? Could we, could we just bow our heads together and, and I'm going to ask the, the folks who are going to play the instruments just to come and, and to play. We're, we're not going to stand. We're not going to sing. We're going to be before the Lord. Now, here's, here's something I want to say to you that you need to remember every Sunday and every Monday through Saturday as well. Worship is never over till we've responded. Worship is never over. Check it out through the Scripture. When people worship, they responded. Sometimes that response is a, is a quiet deep response sometimes it's an open public response but my own personal worship at home is never over till I respond to what God has said to me my worship here in this place today is never over till I respond to what God has said to me worship is never over till we've responded and, and, and so I wonder today if we wouldn't want to respond to the Lord maybe you'd want to come and kneel in these, in these front chairs maybe here at this altar area, to just kneel before the Lord and say, God, you've spoken to me today, and I don't want to miss intimacy with you. God, you've, you've touched my heart today. I, I want to focus on your kingdom. I want to focus on Jesus and remember all he's taught me and all he's done for me. And I, I, I want to kind of turn this inward today. God, change me. Don't let me leave here like I was, no matter what I was. Don't let me leave here without you changing me. Don't let me miss intimacy with you. And, and so I want to I pray for us. And, and then if you want to come and, and kneel here before the chairs or here, wherever uh, the, the pastor will be here, staff members will be here. If you need to talk to one of them, pray with one of them. If you want to come this morning, give your life to Christ, we want you to do that. If you want to come and join this church this morning, you can do that. But, but let's, let's not miss intimacy with the Lord. Let's not miss that. Let the, remember, this is to the church this morning. So I want to lead us in prayer. And, and then I'm just going to ask you to come and kneel and talk to the Lord. And then you can go back to your seat. If you want to come together as a family, as a couple, as friends, you do that. But let's not miss intimacy with the Lord. Our Father, I bow before you. And I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful picture we've seen in your word. And I pray, Father, that, that we would not miss this intimacy with you. Help us to be very, very sincere about focusing on your kingdom, focusing on you, and wanting you to change us. Now our heads are bowed. If you want to come and kneel and pray, you feel free to do that. We're going to wait just a moment. We won't wait a long time. But if you want to come, you, you come, even right now while we wait.